0: When it comes to the Bible, most people don't know what they don't know. When we think about the Bible that we have today, it is an absolute miracle that we even have one, that anything survives at all from the first century world of Jesus is a sheer miracle. And when we think about the Bible that we have in our English language, most are totally unacquainted with these valiant stories of how this Bible came together and how it was distributed. I think of the great William Tyndall from the 16th century. Did you know that he was a personal friend of Anne Boleyn, Anne of a Thousand Days? And yet it was William Tyndall who was arrested and imprisoned for the last 500 days of his life here on earth in Vilvorde Castle in Belgium. Do you know why? He was arrested for having the audacity to translate the scriptures from the original languages into the common English language. We have Tyndall to thank for the English Bibles that we have. He gave his life, he was burned at the stake. These are just some of the amazing stories as we think about how the Bible came together. The Bible is the bestseller of all time, and yet most Christians don't know enough about it. They wish they knew more. If we say we love the Bible, if we say we respect the Scriptures, if we really believe it's God's Word, Shouldn't we pay them a little bit more respect by getting to know the stories, the amazing adventure of how the Bible came to be? To that issue we now turn. During my doctoral residency in Oxford, I made it my personal goal to spend as much time as possible studying the oldest and most valuable fragments and manuscripts of the Bible. I went to the University of Manchester and studied the famous St. John's fragment at the John Rylands Library. It's known as P52, that is Papyrus 52, and it has the distinction of being the oldest fragment of the New Testament, and it dates to 125 AD. Think about that, the original, the autograph of the Gospel of John was written just 25-30 to years before this copy that I was holding in my hand right there at the University of Manchester. It's that famous scene where Pilate is interrogating Jesus and the subject of truth comes up. Jesus says, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Of course, Pilate responds, what is truth? That's our oldest New Testament fragment. It's only two and a half by three and a half inches, but it contains seven lines on both sides from John chapter 18. Not only did I spend time with the oldest fragment of the New Testament, I also spent time with the second oldest fragment known as P64, remember Papyrus 64, or the Jesus fragment. It's actually three fragments from the same chapter, Matthew 26, where Jesus is anointed before his death. This famous fragment is located at Modlin College in Oxford, and it dates to the late second century. It is an awe-inspiring reality to know that you have read, translated, studied, and personally handled the most priceless artifacts of the Christian church. I mean, think about it. These ancient biblical manuscripts are the oldest Christian artifacts. They are the earliest archaeological records that we have of our Christian faith. It was on a cold, snowy, dark afternoon in Oxford when I was studying yet another ancient biblical manuscript that God birthed the vision in my heart to launch my ministry, Christian Thinkers Society. God showed me that He was not allowing me to be trained at the highest levels and exposed to these amazing ancient manuscripts to simply be a reservoir. No, God was calling me to be a channel. Here's my point. While studying the Bible, albeit some of the most ancient biblical manuscripts, God called me to the cause and purpose for my life. Let me say it another way. Had I not been studying biblical manuscripts, immersing myself in the word of God, translating the scriptures, I am not convinced I would have ever discovered God's purpose and will for my life. Point number one, if I am in the Word of God, I will discover and implement God's will for my life. It is a powerful statement to be in a position to say, I am at the center of God's will for my life. There is not a stronger statement that anyone can make. Are you walking in favor right now? Are you walking with a purpose in your life, a purpose to your marriage, a purpose for your family or for your business? I think of the priest Ezra from the Old Testament. After 70 years of captivity, God raises up one man, Ezra, to lead his people back to Jerusalem to reclaim the land. The book of Ezra is only 10 chapters, but guess what? Five times in those 10 chapters, it says, the good hand of God was upon him. The hand of my God was upon me. Ezra 7:6 states that Ezra was skilled in the law of Moses. What does that mean? Ezra was committed to the word of God, and guess what? God was committed to him. Psalm 119:105, Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. We're living in a time of darkness and a time of so much confusion. Have you noticed how confused you can become when you get away from God's will for your life? I've spent countless hours caring for families in our churches and students in our universities, and I have to say, it's amazing how the fog of life lifts when we're committed to the lamp of God's truth. You see, here's the point. We have a lot of intellectually useless Christians. They know enough to be dangerous. It reminds me of Harper Lee's words in the famous novel To Kill a Mockingbird, chapter 5, when Miss Motty says, sometimes the Bible in the hand of one man is worse than a whiskey bottle in the hand of another. I can sit here and regale you about all the reasons we can trust the Bible, the veracity of Scripture, the manuscript attestation, the archaeological discoveries that confirm the truth claims of the Bible. We can study manuscript variants, all the Greek recensions, but if you have not committed yourself to the Bible, it does you no good. Let me illustrate it this way. During Michaelmas term in Oxford, that's basically September to Christmas each year, I would attend the Faculty of Theology meeting, the doctoral seminars in Oxford. When I was there, it took place at Keble College, one of the Oxford University colleges. Theology and biblical studies students from all the Oxford University colleges would gather together with their Greek New Testaments and their Greek Septuagint, that's the Greek Old Testament, to hear papers and discuss the pressing questions of the day. I want to share my heart with you. Do you know what I remember about those doctoral seminars? These were fine people, enjoyable people, fun people. Do you know it's possible to know the Bible and not believe it? I had a guy on my right, girl on my left, Greek manuscripts in their hand. But when asked if they believe the Bible, it just stops right at the neckline. In my doctoral defense, they called it a viva voce, meaning defend yourself with a living voice in Oxford. My examiner read my 95,000-word thesis on the resurrection of Jesus, and his first question was this, Jeremiah, after all your research, do you actually believe Jesus rose from the dead? Or is that just imaginative storytelling? Of course, I answered that the evidence compelled me to believe in the resurrection with all my heart. My examiner's response is something I'll never forget, a Bible scholar. Interesting, I don't see it that way. You know, here's the point. You can know about things intellectually, and yet they never penetrate your heart. It is not enough to know the Bible intellectually or evidentially. We don't really know the Bible until we encounter it spiritually and experientially. So yes, let's study the Bible and why we can trust it, but that's not the goal. If we looked at your calendar the past month, how much time have you spent yourself studying God's Word? What verses have you meditated on? What passages have you committed to memory? My grandfather, John Wesley Johnston, he discipled me for years. He's nearly 90 years of age, and yet he still teaches his Lifeway Sunday School curriculum every Sunday morning at the church he attends, a Baptist church in Lenexa, Kansas. JW, as we call my grandpa, He reads his Bible through from Genesis to Revelation every 11 weeks. He reads five chapters per day, 20 on Sunday. For him, he says it's always been a discipline. You know, it's amazing the wisdom one man can have when he reads the Bible through four times a year. You know, my grandpa taught me something. He was of the opinion that you can't really learn a principle until you've applied it to your life. He taught me the KD principle, the letter K, in the letter D, know what the word says, then do it. Then he taught me the MA principle, and he told me, you know, Jeremiah, when you do your PhD, just never forget, it's what you learn after you know it all that really matters. I love my grandpa. So he taught me the MA principle. You can't know the Bible until you understand what it means, and you haven't learned the Bible until you apply it to your life. All of us, we need the KD principle. We need the know and do principle. We need the M.A. principle, know the meaning. We need to apply the word to our life. The famous Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard was fond of saying, the Bible is very easy to understand, but we Christians are a bunch of scheming swindlers. We pretend to be unable to understand it because we know very well that the minute we understand, we are obliged to act accordingly. Point number two. If I am in the Bible, it will give me strength and wisdom. Here's the issue. In the whole history of the church, we have the most educated Christians of all time sitting in our pew, and yet they are more ignorant of what the Bible actually says than ever before. It's called biblical illiteracy, and the numbers are off the charts. They're alarming. Today's church is malnourished. I like to illustrate it this way. My wife and I have a hobby together of healthy cooking. Well, really she does the cooking and I do the eating, but it's a great hobby. We were watching a cooking show and the host pointed out all the tools that we have to become better cooks in the kitchen. We have more cooking shows, more cookbooks, more cooking blogs, and yet the statistics show that more people are eating out. You know what came to my mind? We have more Bible translations, more Bible study aids, more devotionals. Our bookstores are flooded with Christian resources, but for all that, people are reading and studying the Bible less and less. The American Bible Society releases an annual report on the state of the Bible. Did you know that 42% of Christians say they're just too busy to read the Bible? 39% of millennials say they never read the Bible. One in four adults say they never read the Bible. Only one in four Americans can correctly identify that the truth will set you free is actually a Bible verse. That's John 8:32. One-third of Americans believe the statement, God works in mysterious ways, is found in the Bible. Actually, that's William Cooper who wrote those words in a hymnal in the 1700s. And yet, for all this lack of knowledge, An overwhelming percentage of Americans believe the Bible is the Word of God. Nearly 80% of Americans say the Bible is God's Word. 49% of Americans, though, say the Bible contains everything you need to know to live a meaningful life. Did you know the average household owns three to ten copies of the Bible? I mean, think, how many Bibles do you have in your home? The Bible is still the best-selling book every year. On average, 25 million Bibles are sold annually. Now think about that for a moment, just consider this. Publishers manage to sell 25 million new copies each year of a book everyone already owns. The Gideons International gives away a Bible every second. One publisher sells 60 different editions of the Bible. We have the All Seasons Waterproof Bible, we have the Skater's Bible, the Surfer's Bible, the Cowboy Bible, the Stay at Home Mom Bible, and for kids, we even have the Superheroes Bible. And don't worry, for those of you who are just too busy, we even have the 100 Minute Bible. You can learn everything you need to know about the Bible in less than two hours. We have the James Earl Jones, Denzel Washington, and Johnny Cash audio Bibles. And I could keep going. Did you know that most Americans, 72%, believe the Bible is available in all languages, when in fact, over 50% of the world's languages still do not actually have a Bible translation of their own? Uh, But don't worry, all you Star Trek fans out there, never mind half the world's languages, who needs Earth? The Bible has been translated into Klingon for all aliens to read on Star Trek. Bibles and other religious books. It's a two point five billion dollar business in America. Yet Christians are increasingly illiterate in the story of the Bible, never mind what it actually says. So we have to stop. We have to examine our priorities. We have to stop giving lip service about the Bible and actually get our nose in the pages and learn it. Do you know how long it takes to read the Bible through from Genesis to Revelation in just one year? Only 15 minutes a day. Can I ask you, do you have 15 minutes a day that you can give to God every day of your life for one year? Will you examine your priorities? Here's what it comes down to. We need to get on our knees physically. We need to open up our calendars, our schedule books on our knees, and we need to put them before Almighty God and say, God, I'm going to rearrange my priorities before you right now. God, you're gonna be number one in my life, even if that means I have to totally rearrange my schedule. If I'm in the Bible, I will have strength and wisdom, but make no mistake, you will have a word define you that should, stability. Does stability define your life right now? If I'm in the word of God, I will become convicted when there is sin and disobedience in my life. Do you remember what Jeremiah 23:29 says? Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. Sometimes we read the word of God, it's medicinal, it's exactly what we need to heal us. Sometimes we're hard-hearted, we read the Bible, and it's like a hammer that just breaks that hard-hardness apart. I once did a Reformation study of Germany and was amazed to learn that Martin Luther, that great German reformer, as a wanted man, hid in one of the castles of Frederick the Wise. And Martin Luther was so determined to translate the Bible into the common German tongue, do you know what he did? He was a wanted man. He couldn't be seen in public. So he would dress up like a woman, go out into the pubs outside of Wartburg Castle, literally to work on his German translation for the Bible. He said, for some years now, I've read through the Bible twice every year. If you picture the Bible to be a mighty tree and every word a little branch I have shaken every word of these branches because I wanted to know what it was and what it meant. It was Martin Luther. I want to ask you, when we think about these great heroes of the faith who have given their lives and risked their lives to give us a Bible, how much effort are you putting in to increasing in your Bible experience every day? Jeremiah 15:16, Your words were found and I ate them. Your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. If I'm in the word of God, I will successfully resist temptation and compromise in my life. Remember Matthew chapter 4 verses 4, 7, and 10, Jesus continually said what? It is written, quoting Deuteronomy, to resist the devil. I can draw a striking comparison. In the Muslim world, the highest honor is to be known as a hafiz or a hafiza if you're a woman. You know what a hafiz is? A hafiz means guardian in the Arabic. And they are people who have memorized and can recite from memory the entire Quran in Arabic. Did you know there are thousands of Muslim youth sleeping on the floors of mosques, working every single day to memorize the 600 page Arabic text of the Quran? Most Christians do not even know how the Quran compares with the Bible, and they don't realize that the Quran is actually smaller than the New Testament. I think we can do better as a church, don't you? I think we can offer God more of our day and our time. Will you commit to be in God's word regularly? Not to check some box that you're a good Christian, but to get to know the word of God and the God who created this universe and has a great plan and purpose for your life. When I read the word of God, I get to know God who will strengthen me and give me wisdom. I close this session with this brief story. Living in Oxford, I was invited to go to Corpus Christi College in Cambridge. A medieval professor, Dr. Chris de Hamel, hosted me in the famous old Parker Library. When I arrived, Professor de Hamel had a stack of volumes sitting on the table that were valued. He said, oh, those those books right there, 10 million pounds. I saw an original autograph of Erasmus, an original autograph of John Calvin, Martin Luther, even King Alfred. And then I saw a very rare letter from Anne Boleyn to William Tyndall. Anne of a thousand days, as she's been remembered because of her very short reign—you remember she reigned from age 26 to 29 when she was executed—she was a champion of using her influence to ensure an English Bible was created and disseminated throughout all of England. In 1534, Anne was presented with a copy of William Tyndall's New Testament, complete with her coat of arms on the title page. This showed the boldness of those Christians because Tyndale's New Testament was a banned book. Possessing it was punishable by death. The words of Tyndale today are more widely used than William Shakespeare. Have you used the term, let there be light? A man after his own heart? The salt of the earth? The truth shall make you free? Fight the good fight? These are all English translations from the hand of William Tyndale. Sitting there in that library, I was struck by the miracle it is that we even have a Bible to read at all. This Bible has been suppressed, banned, burned, outlawed, and yet it remains. Our Christian brothers and sisters did not give their lives so that we could have a Bible in our own language, three to 12 copies in our own home, and never read it. I leave you with this thought. D.L. Moody once said, In prayer, we talk to God. In Bible study, God talks to us, and we had better let God do most of the talking. Let's make a fresh commitment to open the Bible regularly to listen and apply what God is saying to us.